Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here. And we got three days off between Knicks games. And you know what that means. That means it's time to hear from you guys. We open it up for a mailbag today. We wanted to hear what you guys were interested in hearing us talk about. And we're going to lead off talking about three of the Knicks young players and how they can find themselves more in this series against the Heat. What RJ's renaissance leap, whatever you want to call it, uh, means for the Knicks going forward and how they should value that, what adjustments the Knicks can make going forward in this series, and what's been surprising and or disappointing for us and or both uh, so far, and a lot more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. Here he comes right now. to Locked On Knicks, and we want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine, and if you want to be an everydayer that listens every single day, there's no better way than if you hit the notification bell on YouTube to notify you whenever we post a new video or the auto-download function on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode that way. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at strict.land. And he is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And as we said, we're getting in some questions from you guys. It's always our favorite time of the month. And what better time than right now when there's like an eternity between Nick's games, or at least a relative one. They, they had to fit them in in that Sunday game just to take advantage of that TV schedule and make that money, you know, and that means we get like basically half a week with no Knicks games after game two. So our first question here comes from Adrian Chatham at magic a six, eight, three on Twitter. And Adrian wants to know, given the inconsistent contributions in the postseason, how did the Knicks get more out of Emmanuel quickly, Quentin Grimes and Emmanuel quick. I think he meant to say, IQ Grimes and Obi. Uh, they seem to have lost some confidence through lack of playing time, such as Obi and Grimes. And I think IQ not getting six man is messing with him. Thoughts. And then similar question from Victor A. Diaz at SSBM0. Uh, Victor wants to know how do you think Tibbs can better utilize Grimes for the rest of the Heat series? Or is it more on Grimes to step up? So, Gavin, I'll throw it to you first. Let's start with Emmanuel quickly because I think quickly has been probably the most concerning one to me because he was such an integral part of what the Knicks did during the regular season. And he's really had a tough time this postseason in both series so far. Yeah. I, I think the biggest thing is just giving him like a longer, a longer runway. Um, I mean, at the end of the, his stint in the fourth quarter of last game, he made two shots in a row, like maybe was finally starting to get a rhythm going and immediately gets pulled for Jalen Brunson. And that, that's not me critiquing that move from Tom Thibodeau won the game. We all, we all saw what Jalen Brunson did down the stretch, but I, I think it's important 
Like, obviously, look, if, if he comes in and he's struggling and he's missing shots and, like, the Heat are, are, are running off points, like, you, you got to take him out at a certain point. Like, like your priority is winning the, winning the game, winning the series. It's not about getting IQ going, but you have to give him a fair chance. And, and I think it, it's one of those slumps that he needs to shoot his way out of, but not shoot his way out of from three. I, I think the key for him is continuing to get to the basket. It was an area he got dramatically better at this since the beginning of the year. We haven't really seen him push the ball in transition all playoffs when he had that spectacular game against the Heat earlier this year in Miami. It, it was him getting a rebound, bouncing off three guys, finding a way to finish, right? Um, so I'd love to see more of that in his return um, to Miami. And, and then hopefully the, the three start falling. Look, he, he's been awesome on defense. He'll continue to be awesome on defense. And, and that's what I, I think has earned him the chance to play through this, but the guy was one of your top three best players all season, Alex. Like I, I just, I can't help but feel the Knicks are going to need him to turn around to some extent to win this series. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm pretty much with you. Like, I think my main thing is more time as the primary ball handler and maybe even like more time with playing with Jalen Brunson. I mean, we literally talked about this in the post game after game two, like Brunson becomes so much better you know, this is not even just an Emmanuel quickly point, but like a Brunson point, like he becomes a lot better. I think when he's not handling the ball all the time and can utilize those off ball skills that he built playing off of Luca for years in Dallas. And, you know, he's such a deadly spot up shooter and everything else. Like it, we saw plenty of times during the regular season, you could play those two together. And there was almost like a, your turn, my turn element to how they would approach when they were sharing the backcourt together, where it would be like some possessions, Brunson would come and lead it, you know, and and Emmanuel quickly would be ready for that kick out for the spot up three or whatever. And then other times would be vice versa, where you'd get Emmanuel quickly being the guy that's driving in and the one kicking out to an open Brunson to shoot. I think it's probably more beneficial at this point to have Brunson be the guy that is receiving the shot opportunity there because Brunson is just flat out shooting better right now. You know, he shot six of 10 in this past game and it, all year, he was your best three-point shooter. He shot over 40%, and that was partially on self-created threes, but also on on spot-up threes as well. He did really well off threes that were generated by Julius Randle, by Emmanuel Quickly, you know, other guys that would kick out to him. So I think it would be mutually beneficial to have Quickly do more on-ball reps uh, with the team. And then also, I think maybe there's something to be said for a defensive assignment that could kind of get him going. Like, maybe match his minutes with Gabe Vincent a little bit and be like, Hey, this guy's really like busting our butts out here. Like, can you go out there and stop him and challenge him in that way? Like Emmanuel quickly is a very competitive dude and like a very, seems like purpose oriented guy, hmm. you know, that, that likes to go out there and have something to hang his hat on. And maybe that's the thing that really gets him going. Be like, go out there and stop Gabe Vincent. Yeah. Like, I think the only thing is like, would, would you start him then? Because like the heat are going to start Vincent. They'll like, start him, but there, yeah. there will be opportunities for overlap because the Heat are running a very yeah. short rotation right now. Mm. You know, like there, there's not a ton of guys that are taking minutes from Vincent. Like I don't have it right in front of me, but he played quite a few. Actually, I do have it right in front of me. I still yeah. have the box score open from the other day. 41 minutes. Yeah. 41 minutes. I mean, there's going to be opportunities to get him out there. And like, so you don't have to start him. Yeah. You can, although you could, <laughs> that's the other thing is you yeah. could, if, if you wanted to throw him out there for Grimes, it's not like Grimes is lighting the world on fire. Well, heart, I guess at this point. Or for Hart. Yeah. Or yeah, I guess it'd be Hart now because Hart's been the one starting. Unless, unless you're benching RJ, which is tough um, to do. Okay. Which is tougher to do. Yeah. So, I mean, there are opportunities, but I think, you know, just give him an assignment to really hang his hat on and like shut somebody down. Maybe that gets him going. And then also, you know, as you alluded to, like 
give him consistent playing time and you know a, a consistent role because that as we've seen with him and with Obi, which I'm sure we'll talk about in just a second as it relates to Obi, like that is something that they both thrive with is a little bit of consistency and a little bit of faith uh, yeah. that they're going to get their job done right. And, and quickly that's been in short supply during the postseason. I think it's shown. Yeah. I think the one thing I didn't note that I, I want to note is like getting him the ball in the move. Like we, we've seen Tibbs do a fantastic job of that with RJ Barrett, like all playoff long, like get it, like, like, have him catch it like already running into the pass like either off a dribble handoff like off a pin down like like just just give him a step because I think it's very similar to what Benji always says about Julius Randall like and like with Randall like like he's at his best when like there's no like inertia there right like he already has momentum he already has like like force heading downhill I, I kind of think it's the same thing for Emmanuel quickly because where, where he he's getting messed up is like he's starting from a standstill and like he's like all right am I just supposed to shoot the three am I supposed to attack this am I supposed to try to pass am I supposed to try to supposed to try to score it feels very very similar to like how he struggled early in the season Alex where he would just he had like a million things going through his head and now he's proving that he's good at all these things but he doesn't really know which one to do and he's indecisive and it, and it leads it makes him a much easier target um, to defend, but um, Victor's question was about Quentin Grimes, and, and and to me, like he is like almost equally important. And I I, I think I will I'll, I'll I'll mention it this way. Like I, I think it's worth noting that Grimes was excellent defensively down the stretch of that game. Like like the play that really stood out to me was when he was in the corner. I forgot exactly what it was, but I think it was to get the ball to Kevin Love up top. Bam was rolling to the rim, completely open. Grimes saw it coming, came off his guy recognizing that the shot clock was in short supply and just knocked the ball right out of Bam's hand. So I, I think defensively, he's already getting it done. He's earning his minutes defensively. But how do you think the Knicks can get him going on offense? I think it's ironically not. And and like I, I'm literally looking at your notes here too. I, I think ironically, it's not necessarily getting him shooting the ball more, but utilizing some of the other aspects of his game. Like it's sort of like my thought with giving quickly a defensive assignment. You know, it's like, do other things to help these guys establish the confidence they need to then do the one thing that you know that they can do, which is the three-point shooting that they've been struggling with. And so with Grimes, it would just be like setting him up with more opportunities to get to the basket and maybe not even create opportunities for himself. But like one of his signature plays has been at least at certain points during the season was attack a closeout, drive in, draw the defense towards him and then make a crazy whip around pass around the baseline, like around the closing in defender, usually the center to like Mitchell Robinson or Isaiah Hartenstein for an easy dunk. And those seem to really be plays that Grimes sort of hung his hat on of like, Hey, I just created for this guy. And, you know, then we also could get opportunities for like Grimes using his very deceptively good hops to get up and get high up above the rim and, and try to, you know, finish some layups and stuff like that. Just see the ball go through the hoop some way. I, I think that would be my main thing. Defensively, he doesn't need too much help, but obviously there's something not quite clicking on offense, and we've seen that happen with him before. He's a young player. like he Sometimes that just needs to – they need that extra like spark, but I think that would be my solution. Start getting him more driving opportunities to potentially kick or possibly just feed a, a, you know, a hungry big man underneath. Yeah, I think my note with all these guys would be like – like the same way it, it usually takes guys some time to acclimate to the NBA, like acclimating to the playoffs is, is its own thing. And I know that OB and quickly technically have experience and like an OB, like what we'll talk about in a second, but he's maybe in a separate category because he has played really well. 
for most of these playoffs, but like, like for Grimes, like this, like he's, he's a rookie in the playoffs, right? Like, like he, he hasn't done this before. Um, and it's one thing to be Josh Hardy's played 10 years in the NBA. Like I think that, or, or close to it, that, that compensates for some of it. Um, but with Grimes, like it's a whole new deal. So I, I, I totally echo everything you said. I think it's about like getting him comfortable and like, also just like, like realizing that it's normal basketball. And part of that is just like taking hits and like, and like, and getting into the lane and getting to the foul line. And we saw Grimes, like, um, I think it was, I can't remember it was last game. It might've been game one, but where, where he had like the really long run out and Hardenstein threw him the Hail Mary. I think it was last game and he got the and one off it. Like more of that. And like, maybe not that specifically in transition, but I think there's, there's value to just like drawing contact and getting some shots to go in at the foul line. Like one, you build up confidence as a shooter Two, you just feel more involved in the game. And then you feel more comfortable at taking threes that, that we know he can hit. And, and I think he's going to need to hit for the next to win this series. So let's, let's, let's talk about Obi Toppin in just a sec, Alex. But before we do that, um, can you tell us a little bit about our friends over at eBay Motors? Yes, I certainly can do that. And for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors with eBay Guaranteed Fit. You can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. I did this myself recently. I have a uh, a Toyota Prius and I just got it like back in like November. And one of my hubcaps that it came with just came flying off my wheel. And uh, so it was like I took it to the dealer and they were like, oh, it's going to be like $100 to replace that. And it's not covered under warranty. And I'm like, well, that sucks. So then I was like, well, there's these really nice aluminum rims underneath. They just need these little caps to go in the middle and they'll look pretty, pretty spiffy. So instead of spending 100 bucks on a new hubcap, I spent $60 on eBay Motors on some nice caps for my Prius wheels. And now they look fantastic. So definitely I can I'm a proud customer of eBay Motors because just like in sports confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors and with over 122 million parts to choose from you'll be back in the game in no time after all it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed get the right parts the right fit and the right prices on ebaymotors.com let's ride eBay guaranteed fit only available to US customers eligible items only exclusions apply all right Gavin we're back in to finish up this this discussion real quick on Obi Toppin. So, yeah, as far as Obi, as far as what to get him ready to go, uh, I'll just – I think it's pretty simple for me. Like, the shooting seems to be there mostly. I mean, this past game probably was his worst of the playoffs, to be honest. Like, I think this game, too, was – as much as it was a, a pretty decent game for a good number of Knicks, like, I don't think – I think it was Obi's probably worst uh, showing of the whole postseason. Hmm. But all in all, he's been hitting threes for the most part. Like, he's been kind of one of the most consistent three-point shooters on the team so far in the postseason. So I think I would just try to get him more backdoor opportunities. Like, they did that in game one. He was getting backdoor, especially with, like, Hartenstein uh, kind of directing traffic, whether he was making the pass or just, like, like violently gesticulating to Josh Hart to pass it to Obi on the baseline while kind of distracting the – the uh you know center out towards the free throw line you know that he's been you know the kind of the key to that i think that playing hartenstein and obi together is a pretty lethal combo because hartenstein can get it up near the foul line and whether he's the one dictating the action with the ball in his hands or just being a decoy it opens up that back door for obi to get in there and finish some lobs which 
if we're talking about things that give guys confidence, that is like Obi's love language is a couple lobs real quick to get him going. So, uh, yeah, I think that's my key for Obi. Just try to free him up more baseline, try to get him on more cuts and give him some dunk opportunities. And, and then that'll open up some other stuff for him on offense. Yeah, I couldn't have phrased it better myself. All right, uh, next question comes from Jordan Bub at Bub Jordan. Is RJ making a leap right before our eyes? And with the level of play we've seen so far, how far has the Knicks ceiling risen if this level of play from him is the norm rather than a flash in the pan? Um, so it's hard It's hard to say whether he's making a leap, right? Because we've we've seen in past years, like sometimes guys just have you just have a great series. You have a great five-game stretch. Like, like the sample size, if we're going to go scientific on this, it, it's just too small. It's five games. But the decision-making, what, what gives me confidence that some of this will sustain into next year is we saw him have a jump as a decision maker the second half of the season and consistently getting into the lane, drawing two defenders, and just making the simple pass. Again, RJ's job, it never has to get too complicated. Like That's what he does great. He is like a magnet every time he attacks the rim, and he just has to make life easy for his teammates when that happens. Um, I, I was worried in the playoffs that that would go away. Instead of going away, it's doubled down. He's gotten even better at it, and now he's making threes, and now he's getting downhill and making layups, and he's mostly making great decisions, when to shoot, when to pass. Defensively, what he did in game two really stood out to me. I tweeted it out. Um, I'll stand by it. I, I thought he was the, maybe the Knicks' best defender through the first like two and a half quarters of this game. Like He, he, he has just been focused. He has been physical. And when he gets beat, it, it's because of a physical limitation. It's not because of lack of effort. Um I, I I think this shifts the Knicks thinking on him instead of someone who's like, all right, do we just have to attach assets to get rid of this dude or, or, or trade him for like a net neutral just to get off his contract and open up room for a star. Now either like you keep him and you're like, all right, let's give this a few years. Maybe he could be that star or is he the centerpiece for a star trade? Like I wonder the Knicks say like, this is the best he's ever going to look. Let's capitalize it. I, I don't know, Alex, where, where are you at on that balance? To me, I'd want to see if he could build on this. Yeah, I go back and forth. I mean, I think it would just come down to, you know, this offseason. Like, uh, uh, so one thing has become abundantly clear, and that's that the Knicks are a little ahead of schedule right now. And it doesn't feel like when they were ahead of schedule two years ago, where you left that playoff saying, oh, like they were ahead of schedule during the regular season. They ended up the four seed, but they just got washed like in the first round. Like this does not look like a team that's ready to like compete right now. Um not dissimilar, I guess, to probably how Cavs are Cavs fans are feeling right now, where they were like, "Man, it seemed like things were really clicking, and we, you know, the the numbers were so great during the regular season and everything else, and yet then the way this team is constructed got massively exposed in the playoffs, and maybe we have to rethink some things. And the Knicks obviously have rethunk those things, and now have a team that seems more sustainably ready to like compete sometime soon, uh, mostly due to like the age of the guys that. You know, they have the contracts that they're on where they're, they're going to be able to finagle and create space if they have to. Uh, at various points, they have tradable, you know, contracts like Evan Fournier for all the, for all the, you know, uh, hemming and hawing about his contract this year and everything. Like he's an extremely tradable asset this coming offseason. So to circle it back to RJ Barrett and what you were just talking about, like, if he's going to be this good, then maybe he is just turning into the third star that, you would probably need to really compete along with Brunson and Randall. And we've had an unfortunately small 
sample size of what that grouping of three looks like this postseason together when all healthy, because Julius has obviously been extremely hobbled the entire postseason. Brunson now is a little hobbled as well. Like nicks and bruises come up throughout the season and everything. So obviously you're going to have to play hurt sometimes during the playoffs, but especially on the Julius front, it's been really hard to get a gauge of like this group as a playoff unit together. Um, but, you know, if, if RJ is going to be this good, maybe you do just say, look, he's still only 22. He's just going into his second contract. Let's bank on him. You know, let's let's have let's see what we've got here for another year. But I kind of feel like if the right opportunity comes along where you can get like a true A1 star and this performance by RJ Barrett sells some team enough on that, then maybe you go for it. I don't even know who that A1 star would be. Yeah. The, because I mean, it, the, yeah, the name I've always brought up in these situations is Paul George. And I, I don't know. Let me let me know if you agree with this. But I, I think the concern there is if if you're building around Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, you want the third guy to be a knockdown floor spacer shooter, which is good as RJ was last game. And maybe maybe the adjustments from Drew Hanlon carry over into next season. That's still my concern from him. Like, like if he can be a 37% three-point shooter on a high volume, by all means keep him. But if the Knicks think he's closer to like the 30% guy, he was most of the season and well below that the second half of the year, I, I think that's when you maybe need to consider moving off him, not because of anything with RJ, but just because he might not be the best fit. Yeah, I think as far as like, if we're talking about Paul George, I just kind of worry at this point about health. and Yeah, so not him specifically, to be clear. Yeah. Just someone in that, like that, and that's the hardest player to get in the NBA, right? Like a skilled yeah. 3 and D wing. But that's, yeah. I think that's the dream. For the I would always just look at like, and I mean, I feel like there's less and less chance that this guy would get moved based off the fact that like their dreams of like Wemben Yama are dead now and stuff. But like SGA was always the guy that I looked at where it's like, okay, if you could trade RJ for like SGA, who's basically just like, a plus plus version of RJ in basically every aspect, then, you know, you do that. Um, but outside of him, like there's it, so many of the guys, it's like, it, I feel like we're in a real changing of the guard sort of era of the NBA right now. And you see that with the parody in the league right now, where it just feels like there's a certain generation of stars that are sort of aging out and, and, you know, sort of seeding ground to these younger stars. And yet most of the younger stars, the best ones obviously aren't going to be available because they're young stars that are under team control. Yeah. Uh, so it does create kind of this weird, weird paradigm where I feel like if the Knicks would decide that they want to use RJ to be like a trade piece this coming off season, like what that market would look like would be really interesting to see because I don't know that there's that like perfect, like, yeah, twenty six year old star like mellow like for all of the faults of everything like when he came to the Knicks he was like an in his prime superstar you know what I mean like huh. for better or worse he was like 26 27 years old and like there's so few guys like that right now that I look out on like the potential trade market and say like there is like a number one option right there that yeah. the Knicks could trade RJ Barrett for with like some picks and whatever and it's sort of the tricky part of this situation that the Knicks have put themselves in as far as being so well positioned for a star where it's like, I kind of feel like the best move might be to just kind of play the hand that they have and stick with RJ and see what he becomes because he might become just as good as the guy that they would trade him and multiple picks for right yeah. now, even if he never becomes an A1 star. Yeah, and I think... I mean, a name that I'll I'll throw out there and we won't delve into because this is probably like a full offseason episode. But if I were the Knicks, I would hold out and wait on Anthony Edwards to be tired of mm -hmm. living in Minnesota, tired of 
smelling Rudy Gobert eating weird French cheeses in the locker room while making $40 million a year and bringing that team down. Um, tired of cat um, on the court, off the court. Cat seems like a fantastic dude um, because he, he is that guy to me who I think is going to be the top tennis player down the road who I think is going to be a 30 point per game type scorer. Who's going to be a lockdown defender who became a more willing passer as this year went along and, and just has athleticism at, at that wing spot that I, I don't know if anyone else in the league has like maybe Zion when he's playing, but, but pretty much no one. And if I'm the Knicks, I'm holding on to RJ Barrett. I'm hoping he develops into like a lesser version of that, a 24 point per game score, like great defense, like or good defense, good passing. That That's the dream. That's the best case scenario for RJ. I'm holding on to all my picks. And when the day comes, I'm going all in on Anthony Edwards, because I think he's the guy who could win the Knicks a championship. But that is a conversation for another day, Alex. And you know what? If I have those kind of delusions of grandeur, maybe I need therapy. And there's only one place I'd go for therapy. And it's BetterHelp. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And it's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you. And when we spend all of our time giving, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burned out. Therapy can give you the tools to find a more balanced life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. Um, I know therapy has certainly done that for me. Um, it makes you more self-aware about how you think and the flaws in that thinking. And, and sometimes if you're like me, maybe you're a little bit too self-critical. And when you can be a little bit more objective about that, it makes you feel better about yourself. And then you can help yourself and you can help other people around you. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. You can find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, Alex, we are entering the speed round here on Locked On Knicks. Got a couple more questions. Going to go rapid fire through them. So another one from our guy, Jordan Bubb, who, as always, asks a bunch of questions, a bunch of great questions at Bub Jordan. Please throw him a follow on Twitter. He wants to know what adjustments should the Knicks make for game three and what is surprised and disappointed from the two games in this series from either team? Uh, so, yeah, I'll just kind of go rapid fire and, like, address those things and, and sort of give just a couple quick notes because we've sort of gone through some of them already when we talk about, I think, the three young players that we led the show off mm-hmm. with are one of the main main points of concern that, that need to be addressed for the Knicks. Like, those three guys, if you get them going, this is a totally different series because if they're playing to the best of their ability to complement, uh, you know, Randall and Brunson and RJ and, like, Hartenstein and Mitch, who's played pretty well when he seems like he's healthy, like then it's a totally different series. But I think my number one thing that I've been like surprised and disappointed by simultaneously uh, has been the heat not coming down to earth a bit from three, and the Knicks are still being this cold from three. Uh, The Knicks like shot a pretty solid percentage from three this year. They shot a full percentage point better than the heat from three during the regular season. Um, The heat were in the bottom four teams in the league in three-point shooting uh, as far as percentage goes. The Knicks were... For better or worse, they were top 20 in three-point shooting this year. They did manage – I mean, after they started the year right in about that same spot as the Heat, they they scratched and clawed, and they got better at shooting, and and they really you know made some improvements throughout the year. So I'm surprised that things haven't sort of regressed or progressed to the mean yet uh, for both teams. So I, I hope that that can sort of start to 
bear out in the next game. Maybe maybe we just started to see that sort of turnaround, at least on the Knicks end in this past game, where some of their quality three-point shooters finally managed to hit a few. Um, I think that a big thing, and we talked about this after the postgame, or during our postgame, I should say, uh, after game two, they need to keep running the offense through Julius because uh, as long as he's making good decisions, I think that's the best way to do it right now, you know, to let him kind of draw those double teams, and he's so adept at if he knows a double is coming, finding the right guy to spray the ball out to on the perimeter, keep working those corners if Miami's going to keep uh, throwing zones at you and you know try to exploit uh, the openings that are given to you in that regard. And then uh, lastly, I would say just keep trying to fight the Heat's moving screens and get over to contest shooters. Uh, sort of similar to my first point, I think eventually Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, all these guys that are, I mean, they're fine NBA players, but they are not superstars. Uh, eventually, these guys are going to stop playing like superstars. This like super soldier serum is going to wear off at some point, and they'll come to earth a little bit. So just keep making their life harder, and things will get harder for them, and then eventually they'll crumble, hopefully. Uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll eat my words by the end of the series, but I, I hope that that's the case. So th- those are probably my keys to victory there. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you on the young guys. I I just think the Knicks don't win this series if those three dudes don't get going. This was something I meant to mention in the first segment, but I just realized I forgot to. Um, let's let's zoom back, Alex. About uh, I don't know, like a month ago, literally only a month ago, the Knicks played the Heat. They won 101 to 92 in that game. Julius Randle. Um, I think I guess that was when he initially got hurt. He played 15 minutes, mm-hmm. had three points and five rebounds, one for five shooting. Jalen Brunson played 30 minutes, only had 12 points, three assists, two rebounds, did not close the game. You know who did close the game? Emmanuel Quickly, who finished with 24 points on 14 shots with four assists and three steals. Quinn Grimes played 36 minutes. He made five three-pointers. He had 23 points, eight rebounds, and four assists. OB came off the bench, six points, two threes, four assists, three rebounds in that game. These guys have proven they could do it against the Miami Heat. And that was not a Heat team that was like, all right, we're going to sit all of our starters against these young Knicks. That was uh, Jimmy Butler playing 35 minutes, Bam playing 35 minutes, the Heat playing their full rotation, desperate to beat the Knicks, and Emmanuel Quickly and Quentin Grimes and Obi Toppin went out there and beat the Miami Heat. So Tom Thibodeau has to trust those guys to do it again. And then um, you, you, you said a bunch of stuff that I had down. So the one other thing I'll say is game plan discipline. Know your assignments. Um, If Duncan Robinson is dribbling up to shoot a three-pointer, Mitchell Robinson, you are not supposed to be in drop coverage. You're supposed to be up on him, preventing that three. If Bam gets a dunk, he gets a dunk because Duncan Robinson shooting a three, a wide-open three, is generally a better shot than Bam getting a dunk. But what you have to do is trust your defense to rotate behind you, and you got to play up on their shooters. Jalen Brunson has to know that. Um, RJ Barrett has to know that. Every single guy has to know who's a shooter, who's not a shooter, who's going to beat you off the dribble, who's not going to beat you off the dribble. Um, and where and how to make plays. And then the final thing is just not allowing easy shots to Jimmy Butler, whether that be like Hail Mary bombs from Kevin Love on outlet passes um, or like him just getting easy positioning inside and catching a pass over the top or on offensive rebounds. Like Josh Hart did a decent job on him in game one, but didn't do good enough taking away those shots. And I think if you take away those shots, you can live with him getting hot for mid-range. And then you don't have to send as many doubles um, the rest of the Heat don't get as many easy threes, and I think you can defend them a lot better when he's on the court. All right, switching tone, Alex. Uh, regular season awards. Who got the most disrespected? Jalen Brunson, Emmanuel Quickly, or Leon Rose? Um, that is once again a question from Jordan Bub. Yeah, uh, I think we both had the same answer for this. So I'll just give a quick rationale. Uh, I think Leon Rose got most disrespected 
I don't know. I think the Brunson contract alone should win him executive of the year. But then on top of the fact of just how much that turned the Knicks around this year, like how singularly awesome the Brunson acquisition was, but also just sort of the culmination of his drafting efforts and everything. You know, I know it's like a single season award, but I feel like that's a slow burn award where sometimes you kind of just kind of give it to the guy whose team finally coalesced that year. And like Brunson was like the final, you know, like, like if all of the the guys that Leon has drafted and signed prior to this was like the the gunpowder, then you know Brunson was just like the final like match. You just threw that match in there, and and it all blew up and and in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know I think Leon should have gotten executive of the year. I I don't quite know why you wouldn't give that to him. Uh, quickly, just sort of fell victim to a stupid narrative that got cooked up by the national media that all of a sudden starts don't count for guys that are six man of the year candidates, which is ridiculous. Um, You know, I've never seen the argument made in years past of like, well, this guy in his starts did way better than his bench appearances. So therefore the starts are invalidated. Like part of being a great sixth man is being able to step in and start and be great and, you know, do whatever your team needs you to do and play big minutes, whether it's off the bench normally or whether it's starting in a pinch and quickly did all that. Uh, But, you know, again, it's like they just people decided, nope, we want to give this to Malcolm Brogdon this year. So we're going to cook up all these BS narratives to say that quickly shouldn't win this. So in many ways, I think it's it's pretty close between Leon and quickly. I just think that Leon it maybe got snubbed a little more. Brunson, it just kind of never felt like he was going to win most improved. Um, I think he made great statistical strides, and that's awesome. Uh, but, you know, it, it seemed like other guys were always ahead of him in that throughout most of the year, and that's fine. I mean, Brunson, for as much great as he did, weirdly got sort of overlooked a lot this year between, like, not getting the All-Star nod and then not getting this award. It's fine. I, I, it doesn't bother me as much. It's probably... Ultimately, if we're really looking at it, it probably comes down to like a lot of voters probably like, we're not going to give it to a second Nick in three years for the same award because um, we don't want to. So, you know, whatever it's that one bothered me the least, even if all of them bothered me at least a little bit. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you. Same order. Um, Leon Rose getting seventh, I think, is insane behind Sean Marks. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. John Horst of the Bucks. What what did the Bucks do this year to change their team? They kept the exact same roster. And then they got like, Jay Crowder, who did yeah. nothing. They got Joe Ingles, who did nothing. I yeah. know it's a regular season award, but I don't think those guys, maybe Ingles a bit, but I don't think most of the guys they acquired particularly drove winning in the regular season. And meanwhile, I mean, you mentioned it with Leon Rose, uh, not only getting Jalen Brunson, but Josh Hart with like the way things are going for Phoenix right now, I think has proven to like certainly at the cost be easily the best trade deadline acquisition that any team made. And granted, like maybe, maybe the Suns regroup, they win a title with Kevin Durant. You, you got to give it to uh, James Jones and Phoenix at that point. Um, but man, that was, um, that was a brilliant move for Leon Rose for something that went under discussed um, and completely transformed the team. Um, I'm fine with Monty McNair winning because I think, I think everything that Sacramento did this year is brilliant and they, they deserve to be recognized in some form or fashion. Um, but man, uh, Leon Rose should have been top two or top three for that. And I, I don't. I've already given my thoughts. You, you you just basically gave my thoughts on the other two. Yeah, and 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 that's it. Uh, thank you so much for for tuning in, everybody. This is our our playoff uh, mailbag episode. Um, yeah, appreciate you watching, and we'll be back um, talking to the guys over at Locked On Heat. 
and locked on heats locked on heat there's two of them that's why i wanted to add an s there but anyways um and, and maybe one more special podcast before we wrap up this week and then we'll have you covered over the weekend uh with a recap of game three go Knicks. we'll talk to you then love you guys locked on Knicks. peace out